but Paul and I have been talking just for the last couple of weeks, and, and again, thanks for having me, and he told me that he's been teaching on the kingdom of God and just praying about what to share. I had another message that I was working on, and God, about a week ago, kind of stopped me in my tracks and really, you know, talked to me about what, I, what I'm supposed to share. So um, speaking about the kingdom of God, the verse that came to me right away is Matthew 6, 33. You can turn there with me if you want. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? Seek first Jesus. Amen? And all these things will be added to you. What things? The things your spirit truly longs for. Peace, forgiveness, love, spiritual life. The things that our fears our egos and our flesh try to create substitutes for the counterfeits. It's the things that only come from him, the source of all life, amen? I love the Amplified, it says, but first and foremost, most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. Another great verse Psalm 105, verse four, David writes, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Come on, are there any seekers in the house this morning? And the promise for all the seekers is my favorite life verse in the Bible. It says in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. The message, it says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure that you won't be disappointed. Come on. I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. What a promise. And we find him when we seek him. Amen. And uh, in this last year or so, I've just been kind of putting that verse right in front of my piano and just leading and worshiping from that place. And I, and I feel like, God gave me a song that up for so long, I just, like Paul was saying, I, I just sang it in the secret place. It was just between me and him. And, and I've started to kind of sing it from the platform. And I just felt like sharing it with you this morning. Is that okay? Is that all right? Isn't that a great question when a worship leader asks you, like, is it all right if I share a song? Like, you have a choice. But, um, <laughs> so, I'll switch mics here, Sean. Hey, also, can we honor Sean Regal? Come on. Um, Sean Regal um, knew me when I was in diapers. It's true. I grew up with him and his wife. Um, but when I sing this, I don't want to just, this isn't show and tell. I don't want to just share a song. Let's go back into worship. So if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to lift your hands, you can lift your hands. But let's start here this morning.
the shout in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Um, the last two years, God's really brought me on a journey after I've been a worship leader, a worshiper, a musician for, I can't even remember last time I wasn't doing it. But in the last few years, God's really met me in this wild place where he's teaching me what a true heart of worship really looks like. And not just me, it's been me and my wife and our whole worship community back home. And just wanted to share some things with you uh, this morning about that. For the last year, since January, God's brought me over and over again to John chapter 4. I wake up in the middle of the night. Anybody else like an audio Bible listener? I listen to John every night as I go to sleep. And every time I wake up, it's John chapter four. And uh, I just felt like bringing this word to you this morning. So turn there with me. John chapter four, verse 23 through 24. This is the famous scene with Jesus meeting and encountering this woman at the well. It's so powerful. This woman who's, an outcast of all outcasts. Number one, she's a woman, and uh, it wasn't traditional for a man like Jesus to talk to a woman. And number two, she was a Samaritan. And number three, her life was a shattered mess. And it's this person that Jesus comes to meet with. He goes out of his way. 
he takes a different route and meets this woman in the middle of her day and waits for her. And it's in this place that Jesus reveals who he truly is for the very first time to this individual. It's so powerful. And it's in this conversation that Jesus, for the first time, talks about what worship is really all about. It's so profound. He says this. He says to this woman, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So I've been reading this verse over and over again, and for the last year or so, I'm like, God, what does it even mean to worship you in spirit and in truth? I've even thrown that title around or thrown that description around, and God's been teaching me this, and it's like, God, so how do we worship you in spirit and in truth? What does it mean, and why do you command us to worship you in spirit and in truth? So let's first talk about what it means to worship in spirit. To be a true worshiper, why do we have to worship in spirit? Number one. It's really simple but profound because God is spirit, amen? If you wanna truly worship God, you need to first understand that he is spirit. What does this mean? God can be worshiped at any time in any place because he's spirit. God is limitless, often invisible, but completely present and all-powerful. He's outside of time, but right in the middle of your circumstance and your situation. He's your past, he's your present, and your future. You can't outrun him, and you can't hide from him. Some of us have tried that. Amen? I tried that. He is the source of life, the same God who created the universe, the same spirit of God who hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1 comes to us personally. Amen? He isn't bound by anything. He isn't bound to a mountaintop, a church, or a holy temple. Instead, his spirit comes to us. And we can worship him because he is spirit. Amen? He comes to make his home in us. And we don't find God. The reality is he finds us. Amen? Amen? He isn't summoned by an incantation or a magic wand. He doesn't come as a result of a set of religious rules or a set formula or your favorite Sunday morning set list. <laughs> Instead, his love relentlessly pursues us, no matter our past, no matter our present, no matter the shame, no matter the circumstance. God comes to make the worshipers out of rebels, the lost, the broken. I had a dear friend of mine who helped me come out of some really tough things. He said, David, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. <laughs> Amen. So good. He comes to make worshipers out of rebels, the lost and the broken. His spirit awakens us out of our sleep to experience the reality of who he is. And when we believe, his spirit comes to make the dead things in our life come alive. Amen. True worship demands this spiritual awakening. True worship demands that we are reborn and come alive to his spirit. C.S. Lewis wrote, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make the dead come alive. Come on. Amen. 
How do we know this? Go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse 11 is an amazing scripture. It says this, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Second reason true worship demands that we worship God in spirit is because now we are born of the spirit. We are spirit, amen? Amen. When we are reborn, born of the spirit, a new person arrives on the scene with a new living, breathing life. Come on. Show of hands again. How many people in the last few years have given your life to the Lord? Just wave at me. Come on. Wow, it's amazing. God gave you a new spirit in that moment. So powerful. And in this new spirit, your new spiritual life carries within it a deep, innate desire to know and love the one who loved you first and called you by name. Amen. Same chapter of Romans, different verse. It says this in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have now received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I love the message translation of this verse. It says, this resurrection life that you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with the childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We now know who he is, and we now know who we are, father and children. Our whole spiritual being immediately recognizes now that we are not our own. It immediately recognizes its kinship to God, that we were bought at a price, and we have a perfect father who loves us, and we are sons and daughters of a living God. Amen? My son, who's two years old now, he was... Um, we had him at home. We had a home birth. And uh, it's not for everybody, trust me. And, uh, and it wasn't for me at first. My wife, she felt like she got a word from the Lord. We had the first two in the hospital, and she just felt so strongly. It wasn't her own idea. God told her, hey, we, I want you to have this baby at home. And so she came to me with so much faith, and she said, look, babe, I really want to have this baby at home. Let's do it. What do you think? And I said, no, we're not doing that. And... Um, I was like freaked out and scared. And then like, I have like massive OCD. Anybody have OCD here? It's a gift from God. Don't worry about it. It's like, it's amazing. I didn't want to clean up the mess. I thought about this big pool in my living room. What if this thing leaks? Anyways, I just like, I, I put it before God. I was like, dude, you have to like, tell me we're going to do this. And so he confirmed it in a few different ways. So we ended up having William at home. And I remember when he was born, he was born in this massive pool. I won't give you too much information, but when he was born, he, he was born in the water and he was just like in the water. I was like freaking out. I like totally forgot, like he can, he's fine underwater. And so I'm like, get him out, get him out. And I remember the midwife, like she, the midwife slowly took him out and showed him to Johanna and myself and he, and he hadn't taken his first breath yet. And I was like, come on, you know, like, you know, there's not a doctor, you know? And, um, and I remember the midwife, whose name was Lynn, she said to, she turned to me and Johanna, she said, just say his name, just say his name. 
And um, I remember saying, William, William, William. And the third time we said it, he just opened his eyes, took his first breath, and he started looking for the one, that voice that he knew that called his name. Amen. The same thing happens in us when we're reborn of the Spirit. Right away, we're looking to respond to the one who called our names. The voice our heart was always meant to hear. Amen. The one before time ever began had a perfect plan for your life and a calling and a destiny. Amen. He's two years old now, and he, um, every day he wakes up from his nap, he knows around that time he wakes up, his dad's coming home from work. And so he, he wakes up and he just runs downstairs and he just stands there at the window and he's two years old and he's just like this. The other day he, he waited there for like over an hour. He's just like waiting, dad, dad, dad. And he has older sisters and he's like two years old. He's not even distracted. He's just like, he's just looking like a golden retriever, just like waiting. <laughs> <laughs> And man, when, I, when that truck pulls up and I get home, he loses his mind. We have videos of him. He's like, we should have shown the video. He's so overcome with the emotion that he's like, he'll fall to the ground, cry, and then he runs out to the truck. And he's like, what are we doing? Dad, let's go. And he just first wants to get in the truck and he completely trusts me. And he's, what is he doing? He's responding to the love that I've already given him. That's the description of worship. Amen. What's next, Father? Where are we going? I trust you. You're the one who called my name. I got to know you more. Amen. True worship is simply a deep spiritual desire to respond to the one our spirits desire the most. It's actually in the very nature of your new spiritual DNA. Amen. Third reason um, we worship God in spirit. It's very simple. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. I know this is just basic, but it's profound. It was profound for me. And um, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth has the ability to reveal the reality of who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, verse six. In the same chapter, verses 16 to 17, Jesus says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Come on, say forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will always be with you. Two chapters later, verses 13 through 15, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Say all the truth. Come on, that's massive. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What does this mean? Basically, this means when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life speaking. When the Holy Spirit enters the room, like when Stephen just sang that first note this morning, that's Jesus entering the room. And when Jesus enters the room, everything changes. Everything. Everything changes. And through encounter, through encountering the Holy Spirit, we come to know and experience the truth and the reality of who Jesus really is. Amen. My wife, for 17, 18 years, she's run this incredible dance studio that, to be honest, like is totally secular. It's um 
it's under Global Awakening, under Randy Clark's ministry, but it's his like local reach, his arm into the local community where we live. And the studio is just filled with public school kids and um, just kids who don't know God at all. These aren't like Christian kids. A lot of them come from like broken homes, but they're the most beautiful, amazing girls from like, she takes them from potty training all the way to, you know, 18. And now we're launched, we've launched some on Broadway and into movies. And it's been incredible just to see the fruit. But the best part about the studio is, man, Johanna and some of her staff, they don't hold back at all on who Jesus is and the love that God has for them. And so she has these once a month, they call, they're called freedom events, where these kids sign up and they literally have no idea what they're walking into. And so a few months ago, we had a freedom event and Johanna asked me to come and just do kind of what I did right there for a lot of these kids who have no grid for worship, no grid for the Holy Spirit. And in situations like that, it's good to be led by the Holy Spirit, amen? You don't just try like a church program or try something weird on a kid and it's like, no, we gotta do, Jesus, you're the real thing and we need you, period, tell us what to do. And my wife's amazing at doing that. And so um, she got this vision, which is, I was like, are you sure you wanna do this? When she decided to do this, um, she got this vision of all the staff and the teachers of this dance studio she had all the older kids come in from ages about 14 to 18, and she sat them all in chairs, and she got this vision of the teachers serving them and washing their feet. And again, like, these kids, they don't, like, know about the washing feet story in the Bible or, like, anything like that. So I was like, babe, you sure you want to do this? And she's like, yeah, we're doing it. I'm like, and when she makes up her mind, it's like, that's what we're doing. And, um, and so I'm just leading worship. I'm singing that song start singing He Loves Us by John Mark McMillan. And these girls sit down. They have no idea what to expect. And all these teachers get down on their knees and they just start washing these girls' feet. And Johanna said, look, this is what Jesus did when he came into this world. And we want you to know that you're loved unconditionally here and God loves you. And they started washing these girls' feet after they danced all morning. So they needed to wash their feet. And I watched all these girls, some of them who didn't know God at all, just begin to weep, just encounter the reality of God's love for them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Each one of them had encounters. And some of these girls, no joke, these were ones who were slitting their wrists a year ago or so. They were in our, this, this place called Phil Haven getting counseling. And, and these are like AP students, incredible dancers, and man, they live in a dark environment, but the light is so much greater, amen? And I watch them get transformed, and then my wife had this crazy idea, so my, my daughter, who's seven, and all the 10-year-olds and younger, they came in, and then the girls who just had their feet washed, they get down on their knees, and they start washing their feet. And these little girls start weeping. I'm just like, I had to excuse myself. I was just like, God, you're so good. So amazing. The reality of his love. Through encounter the, encountering the Holy Spirit, we come to know the truth and the reality of who Jesus is, the Father's kindness, the Father's forgiveness, the Father's love for us. Moving into worshiping in spirit and truth, why does God ask us to worship in truth? Really simple. Number one, in order to worship God, we simply must know who he is. The extent of our worship depends upon the extent of which we know God powerful. My father-in-law always 
says this, and I think it's because he wants me to finish my master's degree. He says, <laughs> worship leaders should be the greatest theologians, David, you know. And, um, but there's so much truth in that. It's like, it's so profound. <laughs> God desires to be worshiped for who he truly is. He can't be worshiped for who he's not. Amen? That's why theology is important. You know, we don't just get to know the truth about God through encountering the Holy Spirit. It's all right here. But worship leaders, man, you gotta, we gotta know this thing. Amen? This, this is it. Hosea 6, verse 6, this is such a great verse on worship. It says, for I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God's truth, the truth of who God is, is what fuels our worship. It's the fuel to our worship. The more we know him, the more we have to worship him. So I was telling Paul in, in the middle of worship, greatest worship, worshipers are the ones who know how much they've been forgiven, who know his forgiveness. You know, the greatest worship leaders are the ones who like could not get healed and they get healed in a moment, who know who God really is, the reality of this truth and his love for us. He wants us to know him through encounter. Why? Very simply, number two, it's the truth that sets us free. John 8 Verses 31 to 32, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that sets us free. And if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what, church? Freedom, amen? So powerful. Where does the spirit of the Lord come to set us free? It comes to set us free in the deepest, deepest parts of our heart. He wants all of us not just some of us. I love Will Hart yells that all the time. He wants all of us, not just some of us, but he comes with his truth, the reality of who he is to set us free in the deepest, deepest parts of our heart, our innermost being from the inside out, amen? Go back with me to John chapter four, this story with the woman at the well, verses 13 through 18 says this, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Come on, say eternal life, eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come draw water here again. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you said here is true. What's happening here? The truth in flesh, Jesus, there's this great exchange here. This woman is exchanging the reality of her situation, the truth of her situation, her great need for freedom to be set free and to be restored for the truth that sets us free in flesh. Come on, this is so amazing. The great exchange. Go to verses 28 through 30. 
in the message translation says that she runs back into the village without her jar. Why does she run back into the village without her water or jar? Because her thirst has been quenched. She's tapped into living water, the well that never runs dry. And she says, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me from the inside, the inside out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And for the Samaritans, the translation of Messiah is restore. Could this be the restorer? Could this be the one I've longed for? I can't restore myself. Could this be the one? Come on, have you ever been in a place where you can't set yourself free? You cry out to God for help. He's faithful to come, set you free. I love this. It says, who knows me from the inside out? Do you think this could be the Messiah, the restorer? And they, the rest of the town, went out to see for themselves. The transformation had to be so apparent to people. She was just walking by that they started coming. I just believe just, the, this isn't a part of my notes, but I believe as, as Paul's been telling me about this, this table community, I believe the more we're set free, the more other people will be set free. I had someone tell me when I was set free of some things, he said, hey man, now it's time for you to go help somebody else and carry the message. And I said, dude, what are you talking about? I'm not ready to do that. And he said, your freedom is actually dependent upon sharing the message. You can't keep what you don't give away. So profound. And he said, Your brokenness is going to lead somebody else into deliverance. I believe that's a call on this house. As you sit across the table from people who don't know Jesus, just be authentic and allow God to do the things we can't do. Amen. Tell the story about when you were set free, tell them the story where you were healed. Amen. And I'm not trying to be exed. Isogetical, that's the term, right, Paul? But it's almost like this woman at the well quotes David from Psalm 139 when she says, who knows me from the inside out. David talks about this in Psalm 139. Go there with me. I'm, I'm getting to the end, so don't worry. I'll let you go soon. I love the message translation of this. Psalm 139 says this. God, investigate my life and get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you, even from a distance. You know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm gonna say before I start the first sentence. You look behind, I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead, you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wing to the far, wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me a minute. You're already waiting. Then I said to myself, I love this. Oh, he always, he also sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Verses 23 through 24, David prays this, investigate my life, O God. 
Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. There's that word again, eternal life. It's all about surrender. Amen. It's all about surrender, allowing God into the deepest parts of our heart, allowing his truth to set us free. And because of this deep, continual encounter, we simply respond to him by laying down our lives and saying, God, I trust you. Do whatever you want with my life. Amen. Just being totally honest, a little over two years ago, my life was like a wreck. And what was scarier than that is I had no idea it was a wreck. My marriage was a wreck. And I remember two weeks into this revelation where everything surfaced and I had a revelation, God, my life is messed up. I remember this one day, it was like a Saturday morning and, and the house was empty. I think Johanna was with the kids at the grocery store or something like that. And it was just being real. Like it was one of, it was one of those times where I, I actually didn't know like if she was gonna come home or not. Like I, and it was all of my own making. You know, and um, I remember just that feeling of being so felt so disqualified, so broken. And um, I remember God was for some reason drawing me to a place I didn't want to go. We have this beautiful old antique upright piano in our living room, and um, I just kept feeling like He was drawing me there, and I kept pushing Him away. I was like, God, I, I don't want to do that. And I just remember finally I sat down. And I just sat there for like 15 minutes and, and um, I didn't have anything to give, like nothing. Like I wasn't preparing for a set list. I wasn't trying to write a cool song. This place that was holy had become like tainted because of me. Is anybody tracking with me? You guys okay? And um, man, I just remember God saying, play. And um, it was the first time in a long time I had no agenda. And so I just remember my hands resting on the keys and I finally just played a note. I don't even know what note I played. I had no, I didn't even know what I was gonna sing. But I remember when I played that first note, it was like all of heaven came into our house. And I felt just the pure presence and love of the Father like I had it for so long. That was right there available. You know, I'm not, I don't wanna mess with your theology. Like God is always waiting and he's always there. But I was the one, you know? And I just remember God saying to me, and it was like, I felt like his arms just wrapping around me. And I mean, I just began to weep. Like, and I remember God saying, David, this is what this place was always meant for. You need me. And I was like, God, I need you. You know, all the ugly crying, but all that. But just remembering, like, it was in that moment that I gave him the deepest parts of my heart. And I started to allow him to change me from the inside out. And I'm not saying your life has to be a total mess like mine was, but God's still, in every season, in every moment, 
is coming and trying to penetrate your heart for the deepest part of you to set you free. So you can know the reality of his love like never before and knowing him from that place, worshiping him for who he truly is, amen. That day, God gave me the scripture, Psalm 51. It says this in the ESV. Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you do not, sac- you do not delight in sacrifice or else I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken, a broken and contrite heart, oh God. These you will not despise. I love the message translation of this verse as well. It says, going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance means nothing to you. Whew. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. One of my favorite worship leaders in the world said this one day, he said, Worship is not only reserved for the mountaintops. Worship is also our response in the valleys, in the trenches, in our brokenness, in the fire, and in the storm. Come on. Come on. Can we stand together, church? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, there's no pressure or anything like that. I just want to let you know there's an open invitation to know his love more and to surrender every part, every part of our hearts this morning. The guy who closed worship, what's your name, man? It's Ethan. Ethan started praying into that already. It was already happening. God's in this thing this morning, I believe. Just to surrender every part of your heart. If there's places that you know you've held back from the Lord, there's no condemnation or shame here. God wants that. Simply to reveal who he truly is to you, Lord. If you're struggling from addiction, that was me, big time. God's here, he can set you free this morning. All you have to do is turn it over. If your marriage is struggling, God's big. He can do the things that you can't do. It doesn't matter what the circumstances or situations. If you've been running with the Lord for decades and simply just want more of him, come. If you're thirsty this morning, just come. I'd love to call the ministry team forward and the pastors just to pray for people as they come forward. And John, do you have anything? No, I'm saying. So if that's you this morning, you can come. You can come. All who are thirsty, come and drink. All who are weary, come. As people are coming, I want to end my message this morning with this verse out of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, verses 11 through 14. I want to declare this over you. Church, would you lift your hands? It says this, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones that are the whole house of Israel, behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. Oh, my people, I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you 
from your graves, oh my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord for I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. I will set my sanctuary, my house, my place, my presence, my presence of worship in their midst. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So Father, in the name of Jesus and by the power of your presence, set your sanctuary in this place and in the hearts of your people. I declare this is a house of seekers. I declare that this is a house of worshipers. And this is a house of people who know the reality and the power of your love through the encounter of your spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Can we lift up another shout in this place? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.